0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Dare to Care with Michelle show, the show where we talk about not just how to care, but why to care. I'm your host, Michelle Wyman, and I've been a nurse for 30 years. I've always wanted to share the things that I've witnessed, the miracles that I've been a part of. But Dare to Care is so much more than one nurse's story. Dare to Care is a movement. Dare to Care is about stories from all over the world of people who show up, not just to fill a role, but to follow their calling. It's about people who dare to care. And why do they care? Because caring is cool. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dare to Care with Michelle, the podcast where we talk about not just how to care, but why to care. With me today is my very special friend, Afifa. Afifa is one, a best-selling author because she's one of the authors in uh, Dare to Care, healthcare Your Superheroes, Share Stories of Resilience, Hope, and Inspiration. Uh, Afifa's story was definitely one of... Uh, Resilience. Afifa's family was it was originated. Sorry, originated in Afghanistan and eventually made their way here to the United States, where Afifa uh, helped her family with translations and with uh, going to the doctor, etc. Until finally, nursing chose Afifa to uh, to to be part of its world, and I am so glad because that's how Afifa and I met and. I just love her and her little girl and her husband and her family, because I know them all now. So hi, Aviva. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, my friend? Um, It's been a stressful week, but otherwise getting better now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, not, not awesome that it's been stressful. Um, Aviva's mom did spend a few days in uh, one of our local hospitals. Uh, and so it, in spite of that, Aviva still has chosen to join us today which is amazing and very kind and we appreciate you
1: how, my, how it, for you
0: how does it feel to be a best-selling author um
1: I honestly haven't even like sat down to even absorb it all because the book came out and then I had a little bit of a break time I was afraid of reading it and then um, my mom got a um, slowly got really sick so i was busy with her doctor's appointments but she eventually she had to go to the emergency room and admitted to the hospital so everything is a whirlwind right now it's just so much on my plate and then i have my little four-year-old so it's exciting every time i see my family hold the book or send me a picture or a friend text me that they got the book i'm getting like a previous CNO of ours texted me that she finally got my book. So that's special, you know, little things like that or a friend texts me and says, a oh, coworker that I read your book and I love you even more and I love your family even more. Yeah. So amidst all this other stuff that's going on, these little messages that I get is very special. Like I was in the hospital with my mom and one of our ex-CNOs texted me a picture of my book and said, I finally got my hands on it. And was that
0: um, Pat? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we were able to say names or not. So uh, I, I think it's okay to mention it as long as we're saying good things. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. She made my day. I yes. was in the hospital with my mom and she texted me. So, you know, little special things here and there is just it's keeping me going.
0: So I will tell you a story about something that happened to me Friday morning. Uh, one of my former uh, co-workers at some I worked at Summerlin Hospital for a while and one of my co-workers that was one of the people that I actually um, hired when I was a supervisor there he stopped by the house supervisor's office where I'm working now and said hey Michelle uh, I saw your book congratulations and I said oh well thank you know thank you I appreciate that and apparently one of his friends who lives in Minnesota is one of your friends and bought the book is that kelly maybe he didn't tell Mm -hmm. me who it was wow so she put it on instagram he saw that on instagram and then was like oh that's my friend michelle i know her and then they're like oh that's my friend afifa i know her (laughs) yeah isn't that crazy amazing just the the synchronicity and and nursing yeah. is such a small world. It, it is such a small, small world.
1: Yeah, I'm constantly getting messages from all my friends and previous co-workers from around the globe just saying, hey, I got your book and I'm you know, i reading it and
0: I finally got it. So it's just very special. It is. And, and last time I looked, uh, as of yesterday, we still were number one. Uh, and new releases in one of the categories which I think is phenomenal that I my goal was that we made number one you know and we did that and you were the one who told me hey I think we're number one now Uh, you were the first one to text me about that which was really really so exciting for me and then we became number one in multiple categories. And then we became number one new release in all the categories that we were in. And it was just so exciting for me. And and you came and you and, and your family came and hung out with us for a few hours at at Chinglish and enjoyed a celebration. We got to chat and, and talk about the book even more. And I got to finally meet Zari and, and your two, uh, your niece and nephew, I forget their names, I'm sorry. It's Remind okay. Me. Uh, uh, San okay. and Asan.
1: That's, or she so, goes by Saida when Saida. she's not at home. Yeah, Saida and Asan.
0: Gotcha. Or, sorry. It's okay. Okay, hopefully he won't keep doing that. That's Yeti boy. <laughs> uh, well, my s- kitty's sitting right next to me, so it's all good. So, uh, Afifa, tell us without telling us the whole story, because we do want people to buy a book. Tell us a little bit about what you what what happened with you. I, you were born where? I was born in Kabul, Afghanistan. And, and when were you born? And, and I want to talk about how old you are.
1: <laughs> well, if we we work on a different calendar, so in American when we translated it seventy seven. I, by 78. So I don't know, late 70s. Gotcha. Okay. I was born in the late 70s. I was there for a couple of years and then the war started, the Soviet-Afghanistan war. And that was a rough time for our family to save our uh, the rest of us. So we moved from country to country until we made it to the United States in the late 80s,
0: 86, 87. Okay. And you started off in Las Vegas or where did you start off? Uh, Texas, Texas, cool, Texas, Houston, Texas for about
1: six months. Okay. And then, yeah. and then my uh, dad's uh, first cousin was in, a, uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. And she, he wanted to be by near family because uh, all his cousins and extended family were here. So we then we chose to come to Las Vegas, or my dad chose to bring us to Vegas. Yes. Awesome. So what grade were you in at that point? I started um, third grade in Las Vegas, Ruby S. Thomas, okay. by the uh, Las Vegas Boulevard Mall or whatever it's called. That's- Boulevard
0: back back over there. Okay, yes. all right, that's cool. That's um, we we talked about a little bit about how you were you you actually would go to your parents' doctors' appointments, etc. Uh, your dad is unfortunately another one of the millions of people with auto autoimmune. Uh, disorders yeah. and so you spent some time as a youngster uh, going to doctor's appointments what was that like uh
1: it was hard because at that time I was just translating I was just literally I wasn't an advocate or anything I was just strictly he tells me what is going on and I tell the doctor and vice versa and then as I grew up and got into nursing now it's more of a advocate translating and I will speak up for my parents and make sure everything is done right and the blood pressure medicines or whatnot is the right you know their allergies like hey are you sure this medicine is good but their allergies sometimes you know it gets bypassed and stuff so now you I have more of a not just a translator role I'm their advocate
0: Yes. Yeah. And, um, uh, advocating is so important. So you went from, um, Texas to Las Vegas. You, you did grade school here. Then you did high school here, obviously. Uh, yes. and I, we want people to read about how you decided to become a nurse. Uh, but we do say that nursing chose you, you didn't choose nursing. Um, so once you, uh, once you decided you were going to be a nurse, then you got hired, um, at the same hospital you currently work at. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was. um, I don't know. The reason I think I I had so many options to apply to so many different hospitals, but I chose to apply to this hospital is because uh, before, uh, when I was in grade school, my uh, grandmother, before she passed away, was at that hospital. So that was kind of a... Close to my heart. Gotcha. Kinda, I was, I remember visiting my grandmother in that hospital. So, I think out of even the hospitals that I did my clinicals in, I bypassed those and went to that current hospital. Gotcha. Because of my grandmother, I guess. That's awesome. But that was the only hospital I applied for. One application.
0: You. you you're so interesting because. She uh, so those who and when you guys read the book, you'll hear this or you'll read about Afifa. Um, she only chose one one major. She didn't choose any extra, any other um majors. Like she wasn't going to be a nurse, but if that didn't work out, she'd be a teacher. Or if that didn't work out, she was going to do something else. She said, "No, I'm going to be a nurse." And then she tells me, "Oh, and I applied only at this hospital." <laughs> so, you're like. You, you kind of uh, you're one of those people like me that just go with your heart and do what feels right and that's an amazing thing because it just allows you to 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 develop it's it's this is what i'm doing this is how it's gonna work you, you
1: welcome it and then i always have a saying everything happens for a reason yeah that's what it is you know if it's meant to be it's
0: gonna happen so you went, uh, so you, 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 went to this hospital and you got hired in the emergency department. That's correct? not what I,
1: that that's not what I chose. That was not my, my instructor at that time, my clinical instructor, uh, her, her name was Deborah Warren. She was amazing. I loved her. She was my med search instructor and counselor. And she suggested, Hey, Afifa, you've never worked in your life because my parents wanted me to focus on my education and my brother the same thing you need some kind of a background in case when you graduate when you graduate nursing you need some kind of a history work history so i asked my um, dad to allow me and give me permission to work so my instructor said you know apply for a nurse uh, apprentice position and just go to the med search floor that's where you will get all of the experience so in my application back then, it was paper application. Just, I already aged myself, so I guess it doesn't matter if I say it was paper application.
0: It, you know, wrote, wrote, just uh, keep in mind, I'm much older than you. It's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wrote um, in the application, in the position, I wrote nurse apprentice. And in parentheses, I said, prefer med search floor. Okay. And the next thing I know is the emergency room
0: manager is calling me. That's awesome. And yeah. so, emergency room. So, just as nursing chose you, emergency uh, nursing chose you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And so, you just <laughs> never look back.
1: Well, <laughs> the plan was I literally told them to be on hold. Then I called my instructor and said, "Hey, Miss Miss Mor- uh, Warner, Warren, or Miss Warner back then. Um, emergency rooms calling me. What am I supposed to do?" I was like panicking. She's like, it's okay, FIFA. Just go for the interview, get your foot in the door, and then you, you could transfer. It'll be okay. easier that way. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I never transferred. I never left. I just stayed in the emergency room the whole this
0: whole time. It was meant to be. Yes, absolutely. Because if you wouldn't have been there, then we may not have met. Yep. No, nah, we would have. We're too good at friends for us to have not met somehow, someway. We would have somehow met. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we we, what Aviva and I have talked about is uh, being a patient advocate. She's mentioned that a little bit, and then she, her mom was in the hospital, so she got to be the patient advocate, um, you know, for her mom and for her her dad and her family as it as time has gone on. Uh, So, we wanted to talk a little bit about being an advocate and what it's like to be in the emergency department. Um, particularly in the emergency department, I think people need advocates as much as anywhere. Um, so give me your thoughts on that.
1: I think whether being an, as an advocate, as a, in, as a nurse being an advocate, as a nurse family member being an advocate, or just being an advocate as a regular family member, it's really important for anybody that goes to an emergency room or to the hospital that somebody is there as their eyes and ears. Yes. so when a nurse comes in, instead of just pushing meds, they could say, hey, this is the med I'm giving you and this is the reason. Whether that patient or advocate has any nursing medical background or not, nursing is a teaching profession, right? So you learn every day. I am learning every day just in the my mom being in the hospital this week, I've learned so much. So nursing is a profession where you have to teach your patients. So when you're coming and just giving meds, it should be, hey, I'm giving you this Lasix. It's because you're short of breath and your x-ray shows there's fluid in your lungs or your labs show there's fluid in your lungs. So I'm going to give you this Lasix and it's going to make you pee a lot. So this is what you're going to look out for. So let me know when you need assistance after we give you this meds because don't be alarmed because you're going to be going to the bathroom a lot. It's all a part of teaching your patients what to look for instead of just coming and pushing the meds and walking away. You got to tell them what you're putting something into their body. Yes. Even if they're not medical, you have to put it down in regular human language, regular language and say, You can't breathe because all the fluid is drowning your lungs. So I'm going to give you some medicine to help you. That's all I think everybody needs. It's just some kind of a, and if that patient doesn't have an advocate, you have to be their advocate. And if there's an order that looks kind of different or funny, you have to go question and say, not like question the doctor, like, why are we doing this? It's a teaching opportunity for everyone. Like, Hey, even after over 20 years of nursing, if I see an order, I'm like, what am I giving this for? I literally go up to the doctor. I'm like, Hey, you know, depending on the doctor, what kind of rapport you have, if I don't have a good rapport with that doctor, I'd be like, Hey, I start off with, I'm not questioning you. Please teach me. Why am I giving this? And there's nothing wrong with that. Nursing the day you think, you know, everything in nursing is the day you need to quit nursing. That's what my husband says. (laughs)
0: and her husband is also a nurse just an emergency department nurse nurse. I I I tell you a story um when this was years ago I was in St. Louis um probably 15 years ago I had a, a migraine and I went and it was like just killer like I had I went to the emergency department um and I got there And they they did all the stuff like I had the lights turned off. And as soon, you know, as soon as the nurse would walk in the room, boom, she turned the lights on. I'm like, you're trying to kill me. You're trying to stab that knife right through my eyeballs. But again, they weren't aware. They weren't being aware. They chose not to be aware um, of keeping the light light flow because this patient had a migraine. Uh, But the nurse came in. And she had a shot for me and it was Imitrex and I had not, it was pretty new still, you know, cause that's, you know, it's, I mean, this was 15 years ago. It was still relatively new. So I, I said, well, um, can you give me, tell me what some of the side effects of this medication are. And I will never forget her answer to me as she held the syringe and said, do you want it or not? Wow. Yep. And I did. I I mean, I'm a nurse. I am a nurse and I was a nurse in that hospital and rather than, you know, respect her patient or a coworker, her response was, do you want it or not? Now my thought is she probably didn't know what the side effects were. Which is fine.
1: But then look let me, go, yeah, let me go find out. You know honestly, it's a new medicine. Let me go find out. I'll be right back. And right. you ever, never hesitate. If you don't know something in nursing, never hesitate to, you know, say, Hey, I don't know this. There's lots of things that I'm like, I really am not good at it because we don't do a lot of it in emergency nursing or I do a lot of it. And I am not afraid of saying, you know what? I haven't done that in a long time. I, I need help. Come and help me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, so that particular nurse, I actually told her, I said, yes, I do want the medication, but I want it from somebody who is willing to tell me what the side effects are. And I dismissed her. <laughs> and and then um, her manager actually came in and she gave me the side effects, which were numbness and tingling in the hands, which I would have freaked out. You know, if they gave it to me and I had that, I would have thought I'm having an allergic reaction, not this is just a side effect of this medication. So I was I was thankful that I was brave enough to ask her that question. Um, but that is, it's, you know, it is too often that people are willing to just say, well, do you want this or not? You know, I'm the nurse and the doctor ordered it. Do you want it or not? If you don't want it, then I'm, I'll just write refused. Instead of explaining to them why they need to take it or what it is. Exactly. So yeah, and um, nurses need to be their patients' advocates. And uh, I think that we forget that. And it's it's not easy. Uh, the hospital we work at, uh, Aviva and I work at together, there we have a lot a very large homeless population. and sometimes that's difficult. sometimes they those they can be not nice. And you know, sometimes some of the patients are—they're not clean, or they've got dirty feet, or whatever—and it's—it's. But there's still right. There's
1: still patients. There's somebody, family member. You know, honestly, having elderly parents, I I see like how or why some of these elderly population is homeless honestly i i see how it is or why they are once you are down in that path it's really hard to get out of it and sometimes it's not their fault and i always even they come three or four times a day yes it's frustrating but i do in my heart and in the back of my mind i do like hey there's a reason there's circumstances and sometimes it's out of their control so when I'm triaging them and when they, I always ask the medics, did you bring their belongings or their wheelchair or their walkers? Because that's their legs. That's right. their, because that's maybe that's the, all they have in this world. So I'm, a, I'm advocating for them like, Hey, did you bring the walker? Cause that's how they will be discharged. Or did you bring the wheelchair? And there are times that, I advocate for them where they have another rig going to go look for the wheelchair for them. I'm like, no, that's unacceptable. You need to, that's that patient's belongings. That's all they have in this world. Please go back and bring it. And they've done that. But that's how, you know, yes, they're homeless and they might be dirty, but at the same time, we have to take care of them because they are our patients and that's our job. So Yeah. And, and yeah, it's more an it's more
0: than a it's more than a job. It's it's more it's that we're all connected. As human beings, yeah. we're all connected yeah. and it's it and it all comes back to you and it you know, but part of it all being we're all being connected, that could you know, I can look at this person and I can say that you know that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's yep. mother, that's somebody's father, that's somebody's child. And yep. I don't look at it and say, that's, that's my childhood. But I look at it and I think, that's some, somebody loves this person yeah. or at one point, at one time, didn't it? It's really, it's really sad the way that uh, we have um, come to treat our yeah. homeless population. You know, in here in Las Vegas, it's illegal to be homeless. Like they're not even, a, a, it's not even legal for them to be sleeping on the street. So, you know, if, they're not sleeping on the street where are they going to go they're either going to go to jail the shelters are full they they closed at a certain time or they can't go there because they had alcohol you know and they're not allowed to come if they've if they've got alcohol in certain ones and so where else are they going to go they're going to come to the hospital they're going to hang out with us and yeah. they're going to make up something wrong with them and hopefully they're going to be nice and not be mean because some of them are, can be mean but even when they're being mean you you know, you and I both have the same thing where it's like, what happened to that person yeah. Yeah. that makes them feel it's okay to be like that? Yeah. And we can't stop that,
1: you know. And we shouldn't take that abuse either. But at the same time, we could just take care of them, take care of their medical problems and make sure they're okay and send them their way. And And, and we know... We have to accept that we can't fix everything either. Right. We can't get him a house. We can't get him a job. We can't fix everything. But we could show compassion and show, you know, fix some things that you're capable and
0: able to do. So you have a four-year-old daughter. I do. She's so cute. I love her. I'm addicted to her. She's so cute. I, I, I've I asked Abifa many times how she leaves her daughter to come to work because this little girl is so cute. So what what do you say to Zari if she says, mom, I want to be a nurse like you and dad?
1: Oh, she always, she's always practicing. She keeps on, she wants to be a vet. She has a vet off. She works at a vet hospital. She says okay. she okay. takes care of her animals and she has a boss and she calls her boss all the time. Okay. She works at a vet hospital. That's what we talk about all the time. She has her little bag, her stethoscope. Yeah. She, uh, When our cats got spayed or neutered, we had a little cone. So she still has the cones and she puts it around her stuffed animals. Nice. Nice. Um, nice. She goes, actually, I have to hand it to her. She goes to all my, uh, majority of my parents' doctor's appointments with me.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And it's not like, with my mom, I take her because I have no other choice because only my mom watches her. Uh-huh. But with my dad, I tell her, like, hey, Baba has the doctor's appointment. You're going to go to mother's house. Nope, I'm going to help you. She, the doctors that I'm able to take her with, which I know there's not long waits, I take her with me. She actually helps me. She then sits on my dad's lap on his wheelchair and I wheel them she really helped me with her, my parents' doctor's appointments. When we went to my, the, day, the day of, when my mom went to the emergency room that night, my mom had two doctor's appointments, a cardiologist and a neurologist appointment. We took her, she was in a wheelchair, and the doctor comes, and both doctors at different times, she goes, she's having a hard time breathing. So she's telling the doctors what's going on with my mom she's like my my mom's having a, my mother is having a hard time breathing oh. and she's t- she's telling the doctors instead of me like saying hey what's going on she's literally translating and telling the doctors what's going on with my mom and she's a four-year-old and then at the hospital after my mom got her pacer the night shift charge nurse came in to say introduce herself and said hi my name is so-and-so, how are you guys doing? And she was sitting in the bed with my mom, and she goes, she's doing much better. Oh. She's breathing better.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: She was, and the charge nurse just burst out laughing. She goes, oh, thank you for doing my assessment for me. Thank you so much. Yeah. So she is, she's amazing. She's very smart. She's amazing. Um, I hope she could see I hope I'm teaching her compassion and love for everyone, for her family, for humans. So when we, like when my husband and I go to work or we call my, when she calls daddy and daddy can't answer, like the daddy answer, he goes, no, I think he has a lot of sick patients to take care of. (laughs) So I hope she sees that caring is very important for your family and for others and taking care of everyone else and being just a good person. When we get out of elevators in the hospital or even everywhere, when she gets out, she keeps her hand out if there's other people in the elevators. So the elevator, that door doesn't close. So everybody could come out of the elevator before she takes her hand away. I know it's little simple things, but I see how-
0: But those matter so much.
1: Yeah, there was, we were leaving the hospital and this, you know, electric, you know, the sliding door and she's waiting. I'm like, come on, we got to go in the car. And there's this elderly woman is a little bit farther, but you know, she's like trying to leave the hospital. She's coming towards the door and she's just waiting for her to keep those doors open for her so she could come. So that, yeah, that's my daughter. So I hope. When she grows up, she all these things are still instilled in her, and she becomes a good, caring
0: person. (sighs) I think think she's on the right path with you guys as parents. Thank you, thank you so much. So, we're uh, advice. We are getting close to our time. So, um, advice for uh, the family members or for people who are not nurses it would be advocacy to try to go with make sure somebody goes with your loved one to doctor's appointments so that there's two sets of ears and not one set of ears. You know, going with someone to the hospital if, if they need to go to the hospital. What what is your advice to new nurses? New new emergency department nurses specifically. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: I'm sorry, I'm gonna...
1: My advice. It's please come to nursing for the right reason. That's the thing. It shouldn't be about there's a job in every state. It shouldn't be about the money. It shouldn't be where you could go have a job in every single state possible, which is a good, it's, it's nice. It's a nice option. But you have to have that compassion and the empathy to take care of them. And it shouldn't be just pushing drugs. It should be, why are you pushing those drugs? And how will those drugs affect patients? Could I give you an example? Absolutely. So my mom needed a emergency pacer. She got it. And then we were waiting for the cardiologist to come at four o'clock to put the permanent pacer the other day. It wasn't four yet. And she started praying. We're Muslim, we pray five times a day.
0: My mom
1: has been in bed rest because of the temporary pacer for like for five, six hours. And she started praying. It's afternoon. So she's doing her afternoon prayer while laying in bed. And the cat lab nurse and tech comes in. To take her away for her procedure for her permanent pacer.
0: Right.
1: And she's in the middle of praying. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. She's praying. And I was about to stop her. And they say, it's okay. They put the chart down in the room and say, we're going to wait outside. Whenever she's done, come and get us. That's how nursing should be. Yes. It should be molded to each patient's needs. Yes. That tech and that nurse allowed my mom to be close to her
0: God, to her Allah, to our And it didn't and matter her. if they had the same faith. What mattered yep. is that she needed to do this. Mm-hmm. And they uh, allowed
1: her, they allowed her to do that. That's amazing. That's awesome. And they allowed her to do that. And me being in nursing and, you know, the doctors are going to be waiting or this or that. You know, I'm looking at, see, see I'm not just looking at all oh, my parents. Me, I'm also a nursing advocate. I When I go in the hospital, I'm just not a nurse. My parents' advocate, I'm also a nursing advocate. Like, I have to make sure we're not rude or overbearing because everybody, you know what I mean? We we take the part of everything. So I'm in a balanced act of making sure we're not those patients or those visitors. And also... What's I have to do what's right for my family. So I'm teetering on both sides. So I'm like feeling so bad. I'm like, oh my goodness, mom, hurry up. And I'm crying because I'm scared of the pacer. So I finally go, I'm like, oh, she's done. Thank you so much. And they're like, of course. She needed that. And they were so gracious and so wonderful that they allowed my mom and my family to finish our praying. So if we could go with a clean, good faith and conscience that my mom is in good hands. That just gave that much power to that tech and nurse that gave me so much confidence right. that when I'm not around, that they are going to take such, I'm getting goosebumps. They got to take such good care of my mom when I'm not there to be her advocate, because they are so freaking amazing right now. Right. And faith doesn't matter, religion doesn't matter. We were in the lobby, in the lobby with, with 10 of us waiting for my mom get to her pacer. I think it was the chapel priest that walked by. I don't know, I think maybe it was another visitor. He had a cross on his neck. For some reason, he was walking by and we were all sitting in a circle. We were just sitting on the couches waiting for the procedure to be over This random elderly man says, are you guys waiting for someone? I'm like, yeah, my mom's in there. What's happening? I said, she's getting a pacer. He goes, I will pray for her. What's her name? What's her name? And I told him her name and his, her, his cross was big right on his chest. And he goes, what's her name? And I told him, he goes, I will pray for her. And we were like my whole family, 10 of us over there, all of us are like, thank you thank you so much i don't care what religion he is or what faith he believes in or he who he prays for he prayed for my mom and i can't ask for anything more it, that just shows human kindness yes of and i will take all the prayers i can get
0: exactly Exactly. I uh, 100% and I love it. Um, thank you so much, Avipa, for taking the time to spend with us, with me and my audience today. And uh, thank we you. We appreciate you so much. So thank I am. You. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Don't hang up on me yet, but I am going to end the recording. So thank okay. you. Thank everyone for being part of Dear to Care with Michelle. And uh, we will see you real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love and appreciate your support and feedback. Positive reviews are always welcome. Make sure you follow and like so that you'll be notified of each entertaining and informative episode. Till next time. This is Michelle Renee Wyman. And remember that caring is cool. So now it's your turn. Go show someone that you care today.